Brandon Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. This is Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3 KXNO. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Miller and Condon here on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. It's Trent Condon, Ken Miller, for the next couple of hours to talk sports with you, and we appreciate you tuning in uh, here this morning. On the BMW of Des Moines guest list, we will start at the bottom of the hour. Scott Dockerman, who is in Nashville, will recap that, take a look at uh, the football program going forward. Carson May has entered the transfer portal this morning, so... uh, down to just is it down to one quarterback for spring now? Yeah, it's Joe Labus. Hey. Hope your arms ready. Really? Uh, so um, obviously a lot on on Iowa football and basketball with Doc coming up here at the bottom of the hour. Twelve oh five. Bama Bob will join Trent and I. We'll recap what we saw this past weekend. Some phenomenal finishes. A really bad beat uh, in the um, is it the guaranteed the Outback Bowl? It's always the Outback Bowl. Um, it's not called that anymore. But the game in Tampa, Mississippi State, and Illinois just a crazy, crazy ending. The point spread factor into that one. Uh, so Bama Bob will be here and we'll talk about the games that we saw and then Nick Oson on Iowa State. Iowa State coming off a... I don't know if we can call what TJ does with his team surprising anymore. They were a uh, an underdog at home, not a big underdog, but they were an underdog at home and you know, without Jazz Coots, wonder what this team is going to look like, but they just look fine. <laughs> and they dispatched Baylor uh, in uh, with without really um, breaking into a sweat, at least the fan base at the end uh, of that game, game seemingly pretty well in hand. So lots of ground to cover, obviously. Uh, first and foremost uh, will be the uh, situation last night uh, in Cincinnati with uh, DeMar Hamlin. Just, I mean, just awful. Um and then the follow up, what the what ESPN, how they handled I thought they were great. I, I did, did too. I thought they were phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh as we say when we periodically come to a topic that um the pandemic uh, is part of um, really no handbook for these things, right? You can't turn to chapter whatever it is for something like this. Um just the last thing, the furthest thing from anybody's mind was resuming that game. I don't know why the league took as long as they did before they finally canceled it. It seemed like a really easy decision. Nobody wants to play. Nobody wants. No, I mean, did anybody really want to watch the game, the resumption of it, let alone play in it? It seemed like it was an easy decision. One that, uh, if I if I am being critical, uh, that would be where it lies. It just took too long. So it was such an interesting circumstance for me last night, watching this all play out. So putting the kids to bed and. You know, it was bath night, doing that, everything. So it started about 7.30, right as the game. Basically, Rose Bowl got over, all right, mm-hmm. we went upstairs. You know, we missed the first minute of the football of the Monday night right, game. Right, right. And so I had it over there. In fact, I flipped it over to ABC just because of that, make sure we're going to miss anything and have it recorded. And so that's going on, phones away, kids to bed, reading the stories, doing all that stuff. And finally, I get jacked down, and I look at my phone. I got 25 text messages. <laughs> and... Ten of them for you and Bam in our text thread, and another fifteen for my you know tailgate buddies that we always all, all sporting events are always texting about something, and so I kind of get at least a little bit of a glimpse that something big's happening, and so I go right downstairs to where I was recording, and first I'm looking at Twitter. Okay, so there was this injury, looks really bad, and so I rewind it and rewind it, knowing all right it happened about at this point. Watch the play. 
but knowing that something major is happening. Mm-hmm. And and with that background, seeing the medical personnel, that was the first thing that jumped off, just how different that was yep. than a normal injury. Why are you yep. rushing in real time? You're probably, okay, it's an injury. You know, you just mm-hmm. normal. And in fact, you don't even see him falling down in that initial shot because they cut away. They, they cut away from the play and they zoomed in on a player. I think it was something like that. And you're cutting away, but knowing that circumstance and then they show it and then getting all the background. And at this point, it's by the time I kind of caught up, it was nine o'clock and it's still suspended. And how is that? And then I'm listening to Joe Buck and I'm listening, kind of knowing more what's ultimately going to be happening while listening to the commentators. It was an incredible job mm-hmm. by Joe Buck. Yeah. He's a professional. There's there's one thing I want to know is who let who told Joe Buck that there's going to be that five minute period before they resume. He said because it, the league. He said it came from the league. Yes, the league is saying no, 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 no. Um, Four he, different times he yeah, mentioned the yeah, five minute return. Right. ESPN Deportes on their coverage also mentioned. Did they the five minute mm-hmm. return on ESPN Radio or no? It was Westwood One with their Monday Night Football coverage also mentioned. A five-minute return. Hmm. Somebody's not telling the truth here. No, no, no. And it's pretty easy to see who isn't telling the truth. Yeah, I don't truth. think Buck would just pull that out of thin air, right? Well, and not only him, and ESPN Deportes, sure. and Westwood One, all three of them just came mm-hmm. up with this five. And it wasn't they plan to resume or things like that. It was the five-minute terminology that was used by three different mm-hmm. broadcasts. That had to come from somewhere. It came from the NFL. Sure seems like it. Now, they are um, steadfastly deli- denying it. But look, there'll be plenty of time to, you know, to go back and see what, uh, how, what, what, uh, how everything transpired after the incident on the field. But it's just one of those just complete flukes. You know, compl- I happened to have a doctor's appointment this morning. Oh, yeah. And I asked my, yeah, see my finger all pricked up. Yeah. Um, and so I, so I asked my doctor, um, you know, just what, what it might have been. And I'm going to butcher the name of it. He, because he, he's a sports fan too. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said Comotio Cordis, and he said it's a. Com- now, he, obviously, he doesn't know, right. but as a as a medically trained professional, he's an MD. Um, I'm guessing you cover a lot of ground in medical school. And he, he, what his what his um, theory was to me was this is a total fluke that you have to have a. How did he phrase it? A blunt force trauma to your chest at the exact time where, and he, he told me those meters that you see, the heart meters, mm-hmm. when it's at its peak, if you suffer the blunt force at that exact moment, I mean, it's only like a millisecond, sure. that that could a stop the heart or send it out of rhythm. And that's why he thought that there was eight minutes of CPR on the, on the field. Um, but you knew it was serious when you looked at the players, mm-hmm. when you saw the tears in their eyes, when you saw, and I give Zach Taylor a ton of credit for this. He deserves oh, a my huge God. amount. Walking across the field to the Buffalo sideline to meet Sean McDermott. And doing it a second time. So they had the Correct. initial come yeah. together, and I think that was the time period it felt like, all right, five minutes, let's go. Yeah. And at that point, he came over a second time, and you could see McDermott when they cut to those two guys together. Just how distraught he mm-hmm. was, and, and just reading lips and body language. Basically, we we can't play. No, we can't play right now. At, at minimum, they went back to the locker room. But with that component there, 
there are a lot of coaches in the NFL that would not have done what Zach Taylor did. That would not have the yeah. compassion at that mm-hmm. time. Yeah, injuries happen all the time. Uh-huh. Right? We've we've seen guys that have been paralyzed. Yep. And they play very quickly afterwards. Yep. I, I think of Utley with the Lions. Sure. For the thumbs up afterwards. Give the kid at Rutgers. Oh, absolutely. LeGrand. Well, the Tulane game. Watching the Tulane game against USC, yeah. and they showed the guy yeah. a decade. In the stands. And, and with, I his, with his hair down to his, uh, yeah. the, I mean, he's in wheelchair now. But yeah, from the, when was that? Early 2000? 2012. Is that when it was? Is when that happened. Wow. And you know, he's a big component mm-hmm. of Tulane football. And what, still we'll get there. to that. Just a phenomenal game. It, it was that component of it, but with another coach. Mm-hmm. I don't know. This would have been different at the very least. There, there might have been. It could have been ugly if yeah, you didn't have somebody I, I, like Zach Taylor there. That I give him full credit. Yes, absolutely. Full, that was, full credit. The last thing anybody wants to. I mean, who wanted to watch it? And and let's be honest with each other, folks. As you're watching that, who didn't think the worst? I mean, when when Buck comes on and says that they kept going to break, going to break, going to break, and then he came on at one point and said. You know that they, he's on the field un, undergoing CPR, and has been under and has been um, CPR is being applied to him for about eight minutes. That means his heart has stopped. Yeah. And so when you when you hear that, and they're still going after this guy, trying to bring you know Damar Hamlin get the heart restarted again, you're thinking. I mean, who's not thinking the worst? And then you see the teammates and the tears and the players that couldn't look that had to turn away because they just um, it's their worst fear, right? Yeah. It's their worst fear. But I thought ESPN going back to the studio and Schefter. I mean, he was. You could tell it affected him. Susie Culber. I thought they're as good of a job as you can anticipate kind of quarterbacking that Booker who obviously played the game and then they bring Scott Van Pelt in early who and Ryan was Clark they were phenomenal so good this is why you have adults yes this is why you don't have blovitators right. you don't have the hot take artists yep. this is why you don't have the morons like Skip you don't have idiots like that mm-hmm. up there and I couldn't turn it off I, I was enthralled with the coverage Ryan Clark hit me in a way mm-hmm. that was just so incredible. The stories of him dealing with, what, sickle cell? And yeah, playing he, he in the couldn't play in Denver. Denver. Couldn't play there. And talking about his last meeting with Tomlin. He was there, I believe, with his wife, his agent, mm. ownership. And Tomlin basically said to him, you're not going to play for me. <laughs> yeah. And, and it made his decision yeah. to ultimately retire that easy because somebody that he respects so right. much said, if you were my son, there's no way you're playing. Right. And you're not going to play for me. And that made the decision for Ryan that. Clark incredibly easy to walk away from that's, the that's, game. Trent, I walked away from sports last night. I, I tried to flip over and watch a hockey game. It was pretty good. I mean, two pretty good teams, Vegas and, and, and uh, Colorado. I couldn't do it. I, and I, turned, I put on Swamp People. I had to get away from sports. Mm-hmm. I had a bunch of those unrecorded, a bunch of them. I just needed to. And I, and I think everybody was. It was just a different night. We, as you said, injuries are part of sports. But something like this, you just knew it was different. You just knew it was different. And I applaud everybody at ESPN for navigating this awful situation, the way the Bengals handled it, the way the Bills handled it, um, the, being in the bowels of the stadium with the camera and, and seeing the two coaches with a cell phone passing it back and forth to each other. I don't know if that was Goodell on the phone with them or ever, but it just seemed to me that the decision should have been 
much quicker than it was. Mm-hmm. And, and this is kind of a, a 2023 moment. You see, you're seeing the stadium and they still got the game is suspended, the yes. big sign up on the on the video board, and everybody's walking out. Why? Well, we all have phones. Right. right? Everybody knew. Everybody knew yeah. that the game was over at that point. So, how about the uh, Cincinnati fans as the Bills were running off the field and going? Yes, the clamping. Yes, the applause. Mm-hmm. I saw a. Uh, it was actually a screenshot from Facebook. Somebody that was at the game, a Bills fan, at the game, and talking about. The way that the Bengals fans around them were supporting them. Maybe mm-hmm. it was a lady and she said she couldn't stop crying. Yes. And a young man that was next to her went up to the concession stand and grabbed a bunch of napkins just to, so she mm. had a place to blow her nose. Like wow. she, she was struggling that much and just how amazing everybody was and the pall that was just over the stadium. Lisa Salters. I, I she was, I, thank she you was for bringing her absolutely name up. Terrific. incredible. Yes. So the, the personal aspect of it. And there was one point where they cut away from the group that had basically been doing anything. And Van Pelt had to bring on Stephen A. And I said, no. I'm, no, he I, didn't, I can't. did he? Yeah. And, and That's a mistake. I'm sure it wasn't his choice. No, it wasn't and, his and choice. It, and I said, I can't do this. Yeah, it's I'm, not. That's, come on. He's not the guy I want to hear in this spot. No. no I want to no. hear Ryan Clark. I want to hear Scott Van Pelt. I want, right. to, I want to hear... Stephen A. Smith had, at that moment, might have had the most cordial, congenial, mm-hmm. from the heart moment of his career. I wouldn't. I, do, I, I wouldn't I, turn it off. And I wouldn't have given him that opportunity to say it on because I would have flipped. And that was the exact yeah. way that I was. And I'm sure he was because we didn't see anything negative on Twitter about it, mm-hmm. where he put his foot in his mouth or anything. I just you know, at there that was moment of that last night, though. My God, couldn't do it. I absolutely couldn't do it. So I flipped away from that. And it, same way, I just had to turn my attention. And I was uh, listening last night, folding the clothes and listening to a podcast last night, and it was. From the day before, it was you know a podcast that came out on Monday, just recapping everything and just in that moment feeling how inconsequential. Yeah, who cares? Right, and that's and the same thing. And I turned sports off. I yep. never do that. And I, I just did didn't, that too. Didn't want to watch. I, I couldn't care less. I, I'm trying to finish up White Lotus, so instead I flipped yeah. that on and just turn your mind off of sports right. and just something different. That's that's where I had to go last night too. Because I moved of that. away from Twitter too. Yeah. It's just a, just a weird feeling. Uh, I thought the worst. Glad that uh, you know there 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 may be somewhat of a good ending in this. Uh, thoughts are with them. Um, it's clearly, clearly. Anyways, let's move on, shall we, to what we saw, and we get back into sports. But that clearly the uh, the incident last night in Cincinnati. Uh, overshadows everything uh, that we're about to talk about in the next minute or hour rather in 45 minutes we do have a keyword contest coming up we'll get to that so let's recap the weekend Trent it was um, it was the, the the college playoff games were as good as you're gonna get yes no doubt. I mean entertaining as hell um tcu the beat goes on for tcu what a remarkable story the way georgia and stetson bennett were able to pull that game out um harrison jr getting hurt and what an impact that had on the potential outcome of that football game iowa winning in football losing in basketball uh, the whole the Jack Campbell situation with uh, with his uh, grandfather, um, Ferentz and tears. It's, it's it's hard for me to be critical of this guy, you know, mm-hmm. because when you see the personal side and the emotion that uh, he doesn't try and I mean he, 
Doc asked him a question in the press conference leading up to it, and his response was, "All right, thanks, Scott. You're pushing my buttons, aren't you?" <laughs> um, because he was going, he was going to make Doc cry when he, or Doc was going to make uh, Coach cry. So, uh, like the game was anything but a thing of beauty. It was not fun unless you like defense. Yep, but. Um, you know, they finished the year on a winning note. Joe Labus looked okay. He looked okay. He looked okay. He didn't make mistakes. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Joe Labus playing the entire 20, 2022 season, what that would have meant. Does, we does never Iowa will know. Illinois and Iowa State with him? Hard to say. I think so. Yeah, I don't know. Now, um, would he have been you know, ready in September? If he would have been the number one starting in August. Well, Brian said he wasn't ready in November. Oh, yeah, well, He's also and listening to Kirk, Kirk said early in the week that at the beginning of the week or beginning of bowl practice, he thought the worst that this guy's not going to be able to get ready. Uh, and he, he preferences it by saying, "Now I got to be careful how I say this yeah. when you go back to last year." Obviously, yeah. If um, we had to start Deuce. I wouldn't even come over. Right, right, and that's what, what a terrible thing to say. Yeah, it was. But um, but you're right on Ferentz. There's, you know, in that aspect of at the end. So as he's crying now, we know the Jack Campbell. I got a. Uh, I was watching the game with my family. I was back up in, in uh, North Iowa, and my stepdad got a text from his brother and said, "Have you heard anything about Jack Campbell's grandpa?" So this was when prior to the this game? was in the second quarter. Oh, so okay. yeah. And I looked everywhere. I looked on every message board out there on three twenty four seven rivals. I was on all of them. Halo, nothing. And I've searched on Twitter and and looking for, and there's absolutely mm-hmm. nothing. I'm like. Well, Uncle Denny maybe got in the sauce a little early today. Is Uncle Denny known for that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uncle Denny likes to party. <laughs> and I'm like, and just, and then watching that post game and the poor lady really struggling with Cooper DeGene. Oh, my God. And then did you see the spoof that Mark Oh, it's so on? good. So the sound off guys, <laughs> Keith so did an incredible job. He again. really did. It's so funny. He's so talented. I know we work with him. Yes. But it's easy for us. He really is. How great. they come up with this stuff. Right. We say this seemingly every couple of weeks. This is an idea, and they just run with it, uh, and they knock it out of the park seemingly uh, every single time. But the emotion of Kirk, in that moment, I really thought, is this the end for Kirk? Oh, you see, that never crossed my mind. It, Interesting. I could see, yeah, okay. Is this it? Is this him... Walking away yeah. is, we know what this group means. Jack Campbell, he's yeah. talked about in just this senior class. Mm-hmm. He's talked a lot about their leadership. He talks about that a lot. Mm-hmm. But it felt like this was a special group to him and that emotion. Mm-hmm. But then also, in the back of my mind, it was, well, he knows about the Jack Campbell thing, too. If yeah. if Uncle Dining's right here, and he mm-hmm. proved to be, and very shortly afterwards, then the press release, the release came, came from out, Iowa, yeah, and, yeah. and Kirk mentioned the press conference, and, and everybody found out the news. But, you know, that is that still there? Could we all of a sudden, Thursday, Friday, get a press release, emergency press conference coming from the University of Iowa? Could you see that happening? Uh, yeah. I, I still can, too. I mean, I, I don't know if it'll go all the way to the top, mm-hmm. but it seems there be there needs to be some closure to... You know what are you going to do? Right. What what what's it going to what's 2023 going to look like um, as far as the principals in those jobs? Mm-hmm. So I I could I could see that. Yeah, I don't think Kirk's going to walk away. But I've been dead wrong about the Brian situation. I mean, I thought that he'd off himself, and to this happened. point, he hasn't. 
And I don't think it's going to. Yeah. I don't think that lifeline's going to be out there. But that aside, yeah, the defense was outstanding. Mm-hmm. Seeing Xavier Wampa make the play. Oh, isn't that something? Yeah. And uh, really cool afterwards in the press conference, he was talking a little bit about it and said, basically, I don't remember it. I, I basically went black. Like, Is that what he said? He, he can't even remember yeah. the return. He just, <laughs> oh, hey, you're, he's good. Yeah. I, yeah, he's a five-star. Mm-hmm. You know, the one thing calling Xavier's games at the high school level and what made him so different than any high school, certainly safety I'd ever seen before, and just defensive player in general, is his closing ability. I'd never seen a kid, oh, he's beat, nope, and just come, and not mm-hmm. only not only looks like he's beat, but he'll make an interception, you know, right. make a play, or a guy's got to step on him, and then his ability in the run game to come forward and make plays. His closing ability was something I'd never seen before at the high school level. This team's going to be stacked defensively. Lucas Van Ness, and Piers signs are pointing that he is going to mm-hmm. opt to go to the NFL. Well, draft. as he should, man. He's, he, if but Deontay Craig, pick, yeah, they got something there, right? Led the team, mm-hmm. tackles for loss, yep. and sacks in a limited role this year. We'll see who comes back. Their stock of maybe Joe Evans mm-hmm. using his final season. I think season. Joe Evans is leaning that. If I had to bet, I would mm-hmm. say Joe Evans. Shannon, I don't know. No, Shannon. I'm Shannon's not sure. kind of a coin flip. Yeah. And it feels like. Set- Seth Benson's more likely Seth to leave. Seth Benson's probably gone. Yes, then then come back. Yeah, and you know what? These kids that get to take advantage of these of this extra year, I, I and so, it's it's so good for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, think what they did for us as a people right. in 2020. Mm-hmm. You know, to, to ask them to play one of the, I mean, it's got to be pretty special, right? The, mm-hmm. yeah, they get a free education, big deal. The, 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 yes, they're they they they're athletes on campus. I get it. Um, but what they did for us, their willingness to play in front of empty stadiums mm-hmm. and not be able to partake in all the stuff that comes along with being a Division One uh, athlete, um, give them that extra year. I see a lot of, why the hell did they give them an extra year? Yeah, think back a couple of years ago. We needed that. Where would we have been without yes. college football? Sport Seriously. In Sports in general. Right. I mean, the, the pros is one thing. They're getting paid. Yeah. Um, now some of the college kids are too, and, and rightly so, um, to some extent. So I want to switch gears. I want to get to Iowa State because we got Doc. We'll come get mm-hmm. back in more in the basketball where we are uh, with this Hawkeye Hoopsters as they're now 0-3 in Big Ten play. Here comes Indiana. We do have four tickets to give away to that game. Oh, really? At some point between now and uh, and tomorrow, uh, courtesy of uh, Dr. Fuller, fullerdental.net. It's an 8 o'clock tip, but before you try and win them, and it's not now, but just think you might do it. Will I be willing to drive uh, to Iowa City for an 8 o'clock Thursday tip? And then, you know, but dot, dot, dot if you're in central Iowa. Uh, anyways. Um, with Jazz Koontz being out of the lineup, mm-hmm. with Baylor Bear, who's, we're, we're 12? They were ranked number 12 coming yeah. into yep. it. Um, you know, a lot of folks thought that this was a legitimate threat to, to win the uh, title, uh, the Big 12 title again. Um, and Iowa State doing what they did to them, taking a narrow lead, uh, into halftime. And it wasn't, it was, Holmes didn't get going until the second half. Right. Um, Lipsy is, they got something there in this kid. And He's special. He, I think he is, yeah. Trent. Yeah, he knows how to run a team. Yeah. His ability to get to the rim. He's so tough. Uh-huh. So physical. His ability to build contact. Did you hear Frischilla? Frischilla didn't want to go there, and then finally he, he said it too. I didn't want to go here, and I'm paraphrasing, because he, he played the Monty Morris comparison card. Mm-hmm. 
And he, knowing what Monty Morris meant to Iowa State and uh, the numbers that he left with upon graduation and what he's doing now, he was reluctant to even make that comparison. Uh, but he did. And watching Caleb Grill actually hit shots at Hilton. Yes. That's a positive. And Kalsher uh, has one of those games that every now and then he pops up and he has one of these games. Trent, I didn't think that they would win. Mm-mm. I didn't think they would certainly win by double digits the way they did. But TJ continues to, you know, these guys buy into his game. And he went without Jazz Koontz, who's a pretty important player on that roster. Um, and Trey King yes. did, did nothing. In the game. I, if you would have told me they won by 15, I said, well, and, Trey yeah, King had 15. Yeah, he led the way in scoring. Right. Yeah. No, At minimum, he, he had, he had a bucket. Figures. Yeah. That, that's, that's it. That's it. He played 19 minutes. And played a lot, yes. Yeah, it wasn't like he you know played four minutes right. and a half or something and like that. And got hurt or in foul yeah. trouble. No, uh-huh. he was out there plenty. Uh-huh. And just, it was the other guys. You mentioned uh-huh. Kalsher. I mean, you're, you're going to have those moments. Yeah, They're going to come are. up every couple of weeks. Uh-huh. and and then people see, see, he can shoot. No, it'll be me. Told you, Condon. You're, uh-huh. you're my, I'm right on this, aren't I? And then I'll say, just wait. <laughs> yeah, the two weeks go by, and game after game after two, over. Um, but yeah, good for the clones, man. That was a good win in a really tough conference, and you got to look after your home floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're back in action tomorrow night. They head to Norman to take on Oklahoma. Uh, so we'll see. But boy, oh boy. Um, to start the year off and conference play off with a win certainly is uh, is good for them in doing so without Jazz Coons. Flagler, early on, he was outstanding, and then they He's really covered really him up. a really good player, Trent. Doesn't he seem to be one of those guys been around forever, oh, yeah. too? And Keontae George... He, they got something there too. I don't know if he's a one and done type of prospect, but Ooh, he's special too. Yeah, he's really, really talented. Mm-hmm. But but you know what? He showed his immaturity absolutely. toward the end, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's a good player. He's a good player. You can tell why uh, the hype that surrounded him when he signed at Baylor uh, certainly looks as though it's legit. What does the what does one game mean in the grand scheme of things? Well, they want to know, and they're <laughs> yeah. off on the right foot, yeah. and they protected the home floor. Uh, so good enough for you. Got to find eight wins at minimum to be an NCAA mm-hmm. tournament team. Now there's you just one. need seven. Right? There's one. Yeah, and uh, Hilton. That's pretty special. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was, was good to see again. Yep. What an environment for mm-hmm. basketball. It just and for Schiller, who's. You know, he was there during the during the peak of it, right? Mm-hmm. During the peak of it, and appreciated and stuff. And he didn't get there last year. Right. He didn't do a single game yep. uh, at Hilt because they weren't supposed to. Be this Fred Fischola does the big games in the conference, uh, but for him to be there, um, I think it meant something to him. And he certainly shared his love and appreciation for that building with the national audience. It wasn't watching football and was watching uh, the hoops. Uh, on um, on the first of the year, three of the next four are on the road. The one home game is against Texas Tech, hmm. team that's given them a little trouble hmm. with their physicality. They kind of played that same kind of style, and at least last year had a little bit more skill to go along with it offensively. But it's a big stretch here. They're all this league, yeah. In this just league, right? eighteen games, including what still remains with the Missouri game, and there's not a gimme in there. Mm-mm. There's not one game Mm-mm. where you. You put thought, it in pen. Thought maybe before the season started that uh, you know might catch a break, but get to catch their breath during the SEC Big Twelve Challenge, <laughs> right? Ooh, where did this Missouri? Did you think they were going to be good, Missouri? No, yeah. God no. You know they got the kid from Missouri State. I liked him. Yeah. Outside of that, year number one rebuilding project. Right. No, they're not going to be good. Here they are, and they're playing incredibly well. You know, Oklahoma State. What they did last night against West Virginia that was a really nice. Win. They're just there isn't a layup. There's no now that had get that game had to be ESPN Plus, didn't it? ESPN U, I believe. Was it you? I yeah. didn't even see it on yep. the, on the sheet, huh? 
Well, anyways, uh, we'll get more Iowa State conversation coming up here in an hour uh, or so when Nick Nick Olson joins us. But guess what's back? It's time for another thousand dollar slam dunk. Oh no, go yeah, to that's, that's different. Right? That's yeah, that's a different okay, one. Yeah. Different sounder. Go to kxno.com right now when once you get there, enter the keyword grand. You'll see the pop-up box. When the pop-up box uh, appears, enter grand at kxno.com. That's your chance to win $1000. Grand for a grand at kxno.com. Got another chance for you to win coming up in an hour. Scott Dockerman from the Athletic, he is next. It's Miller and Condon. We're underway on a Tuesday. It's Des Moines Sports Station 106.3. Iterates may apply. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back to Moines Sports Station 106.3 KXNO. We take you until uh, 1 o'clock. Hour number two, Bama Bob. Trent and I will recap the weekend, the bowl games uh, from, uh, well, since we were last year. And then Nick Oson on Iowa State from The Athletic. He's our friend Scott Docterman. He's been busy pumping out the content. Uh, Doc, Trent, and Ken, Happy New Year. Thank you for coming on. Um, how was Nashville as a bowl destination? The city itself, before we get into the game, uh, did it live up to the hype that uh, was, was around uh, what everybody tells me is a pretty cool town? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think Nashville is a, one of the better towns, I guess, that I've ever been to, if not the best of the towns. There's just so much going on in, in that area that I think uh, it's definitely worth um, another trip in the future. And I think once they get their new stadium, the, the Dome, I can see this really shooting up the, the bowl landscape and probably landing some CFP uh, championship games in the future. So Iowa gets it done again with defense for, I don't know how many times this year, the defense outscores the offense, but I want to start with the quarterback, what you saw from Joe Labus. We know it's going to be Cade McNamara seemingly for the next two years, but with Joe Labus confident now at minimum, you got a backup quarterback that you're comfortable with, and and Joe Labus, after you got to learn about him a little bit more, maybe talk to him a little bit, is that a role he's comfortable with? Because ultimately guys want to play, and for the most part, there's only one quarterback that can play. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think he's a competitor, and I think he's going to try to compete and and see how he stands, stacks up, uh, you know, alongside Caden McNamara. And I thought he acquitted himself nicely. I mean, he's fourteen to twenty four, and um, didn't make any real big mistakes. I mean, didn't make any. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I thought. I mean, made a couple of passes that you wouldn't necessarily want, but other than that, I I thought he played about as well as I, you know, you could have hoped. I, I suppose, and. Um, you know, I mean, it, you know, whatever the future holds, it holds. But I think he's got a, uh, you know, a pretty good shot at being the number two guy coming in this fall. And and uh, who knows? I mean, Cade McNamara was hurt most of this year, and you hate to you hate to predict that. But I think he's got a chance to to be a number two, and if not, you know, play uh, play a substantial role with this team. Mm. Uh, as does Xavier Wampka, one would assume, right? Uh, and we saw him for the first time an extended look. Um, Boy, Doc, uh, th- that was worth waiting for. I guess you could put it that way as he uh, takes that pick six back to the house. Uh, what did, after the game, what were some of his thoughts uh, as uh, as the game unfolded uh, to him? Well, afterwards, I mean, I guess he was just, um, you know, he's very uh, cordial and he was excited, you know, with what how he played. I think he, the, the moment, uh, you know, he was able to, to really look the part, I think that we all expected him to. He was very uh, comfortable out there. He was, um, even before the pick six, he was, 
you know, making some pretty good tackles. He was coming down and loading and, and hitting. And so I think, uh, you know, he, he played exceptionally well, um, you know, and really the only reason why he didn't play earlier was uh, because he had a, you know, a pretty good player in front of him. Yeah, not bad. On Merriweather yeah. who opted out. So I don't think that, you know, a lot of people are like, where was this? Why wasn't he playing? Yeah. Well, you know, he's playing behind another good player. And I think right now he's, he's shown himself to be, you know, probably one of the better Big Ten defensive backs already going into next year. Yeah, you know, another kid who really stood out to me, and he and he has periodically throughout the season. Sebastian Castro continues to uh, uh, to, to state his case for for playing time. I thought Castro was really good in the bowl game, and that's not the first time that he's jumped off my TV screen, Doc. Not at all. Yeah, he's he's a really good hitter, and I think he's a perfect fit for what they want out of that position in some ways because. Uh, he's physical enough to, to absorb and hit in the running game, and then he's also, um, you know, athletic enough to be able to, to cover tight ends, slot receivers. And as we saw, they tried to pick on him a few times and go down the field, and he was able to, to really uh, take on that responsibility as well. So, I mean, really, when you look at Iowa's secondary going into next year, uh, they look pretty good, um, even without Riley Moss and Kayvon Merriweather, because I think Xavier Wampa will make that seamless transition to, to safety alongside Quinn Schulte, who's looked the part all year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cooper DeGene could play any of the five positions and be outstanding and probably will still remain a cornerback. And then Jamari Harris, who had four interceptions in 2021 and has been out for the mm-hmm. season, comes back and, you know, he played his best football, I thought, last year in the Citrus Bowl and really looked good there. And then finally, Sebastian Castro. And then you've got some some depth there as well. So I really like the way that, that secondary gets performed all year. And I think going into the future, if they stay healthy, this could be an outstanding unit once again. Nothing official yet on the defensive line with Lucas Van Ness, but a lot of people uh, anticipate that he is going to make the jump. A lot of mock drafts have him as a first-rounder, first, second round, wherever it turns out. Uh, it's very difficult to say no to those kind of circumstances and the guaranteed money that comes along with it. But I want to talk about Deontay Craig, a guy mm. that's kind of flown under the radar. You know, he plays 30, maybe 40 snaps a game, not out there in a full-time role he ends the team leading the tackle in tackles and loss and sacks this year with six and a half. He was all over the place on Saturday. He played incredibly well. Is there even more upside with Deontay Craig? Does it feel like maybe this could be a guy that turns into that star pass rusher that maybe they've been missing here in recent years? Well, I, I, you know, up more upside than Van Ness, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I think Van Ness is, is a unique skill set that um, that will translate. Um, and once he's still a pretty raw player, I think next year would be his year to be a breakout player and then kind of develop in, in a way. But you know what? If you get a, if you get an NFL first round grade, you go, don't, mm-hmm. don't play around with that. Mm-hmm. And I, but I think Deontay Craig by himself has, has really performed so well. I mean, three, um, forced fumbles, uh, you know, six and a half sacks, 10 tackles for loss, uh, was all over the place. And he did it in, you know, relatively small snaps. Um, you know, I think it was 313, which is by far the fewest of the, of the edge performers. So I think he's made a case to be a starter and uh, next year and maybe a starter even no matter what happens with Lucas Van Ness. And then, you know, the question marks are right now is, you know, if Van Ness does, uh, as we expect, um, declare for the draft, uh, what happens with Joe Lavis and, and Noah Shannon? And I mean, not Joe Lavis, Joe Evans. Joe Evans, right? yeah. Yeah, and I think Joe Evans would probably come back under that scenario, and and uh, you know, and then Noah Shannon. And you know, I tell you what, 
you want to talk about stacked plays, uh, the defensive tackle position mm. could also be one. And um, if Shannon does return, or you know, even if he doesn't, I think they still go four or five deep and and are in really good shape. So. Uh, but yeah, Deontay Craig to me is is going to be an upper level Big Ten player next year, uh, no matter what happens with uh, opposite him on the other side. Is it your sense that Seth Benson is uh, going to move on? Yeah, it is. I've had enough conversations to believe that Iowa wants him to stay, but Iowa also is like cognizant of you know he's he's been banged up you know enough in his career, and and this might be his one opportunity. He kind of has a you know a historical injury i guess that you know that he's got to get corrected and you know if he can stay at iowa that'd be great but you know playing a linebacker and playing as often as he has the last three years um it's sometimes it's just your turn to go and see what you can do and um and i think that's probably the case here uh you know one of the five best linebackers in the big 10 and uh you know probably a late round draft pick and who knows maybe he can stick with the nfl for a few years Seen a few of those guys, certainly in the past, that have hung around for a while and continue to collect those paychecks. Scott Dockerman joining us from The Athletic. Well, defense, hey, it's going to be good. It's got Phil Parker running it. Hmm. Offense is a different story. They uh, hit the transfer portal again. Seth Anderson comes in, six foot, 175 pounds. Uh, kid that, well, he's Flipper Anderson's kid. That gets us old-timers excited, right, Doc? Remembering him with the Rams back in the day. But still, more needs to be done, even if there's no changes with the offensive staff. Coaches remain the same. Coordinator remains the same. They have to evolve offensively. You have to see more out of this. And and the passing tree is a part of it that it just doesn't look like Iowa. What they're trying to do, passing the football, it works in today's college football. Am I all wet here? Or do you see the same kind of things? We talk about the run game. Offensive line needs to be better. But just schematically in the passing game, that needs to change, right? Yeah, it does. Um, the, the thing that makes this so complicated is, when you try to take this offense holistically, there's so many issues that you can't just say, yeah, it's the scheme or, yeah, it's the play calling or, or, you know, really it starts with the offensive line and not being able to get any push whatsoever in the running game on a consistent basis mm-hmm. and protect the quarterback and giving up 38 sacks. That's just, that's un-Iowa-like and that's really where it starts to me. I mean, they, they have to get at least one more transfer and they have to get substantial growth from some of their younger players. Uh, you know, 2018 and 2019 classes were, uh, you know, just really did not work for this program, either through injuries or attrition or lack of development uh, or lack of coaching. I mean, all of it. And and so I think that's where it really starts, because if you can have an offensive line, even as good as what it was a couple of years ago after Tristan Wurst, but yet Alaric Jackson and Mark Kallenberger and, you know, I mean, Tyler Linderbaum's a once in a generation player, but if you can get, you know, you know, a, a, a cold bandwork type, you know, just just to really be the glue and, and be able to block and do a good job there, then you can kind of evaluate the holistic part of the offense because quarterback was not good. I mean, it hasn't been good for three years. It hasn't been good since Nate Stanley was there, and I know a lot of people didn't like him either. Um, you know, wide receiver, when you're down to six scholarship players to start the season and then five of them aren't available, mm-hmm. it's you really got to – you know, control what you can do as far as play calling. So, you know, is this a Brian Ferentz issue? Yeah. Is it a everybody issue? Of course it is. And But I really think it starts with the offensive line because I do think they have good enough running backs that if they can start blocking better up front, then then you can start evaluating, okay, now what can Cade McNamara do? What can you do schematically? What can you do in different areas? Because 
I dare say if, if they can block better and you got a quarterback who completes 64% and you got two tight ends like Eric All and, and Luke Lachey going into next year and running backs like Caleb Johnson and then whoever else is number two, then I don't, I think scheme is just going to be kind of a differentiator. Um, but I do think that there needs to be some differences with spacing. And I think, um, play calling the closer they get to the, the goal line absolutely needs to be better. Yeah. It was pretty apparent that Kentucky was not going to let them, the Iowa running game beat them as they uh, held them to what under 75 yards is a ridiculously low total doc. So, so let's, um, Let's go forward with this. Do you anticipate whether there is a change or there is no change that uh, that there will be a press conference? They'll give themselves a couple of week, maybe or whatever it is, you know, to kind of decompartmentalize. Um, and and then will there be a press conference call to recap the season to look forward uh, with some clarity whether the staff is going to stay the same or not? Will we hear in the form of a press conference, Doc? I, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't, I don't know if once school starts again and then every, you know, and your transfers are actually taking classes, if they'll, um, you know, if they'll call a press conference, if we'll just have individual interviews, that I really don't know. Um, so, uh, you know, we're still pretty, pretty green after the season. I only got rid of, you know, got rid of it a few days ago. So, uh, but, you know, I think we'd like to get some, you know, clarity, maybe some conversations about, you know, with Seth Anderson or, or an offensive line lineman or two that they pick up and, you know, see where things go there. That, that to me is, is, yeah, I would love to have more information to be able to provide. And, and then, of course, the, the course of the offense, I think uh, that does need some clarity as well. And, uh, but, you know, we also need to know who's all going to be there on staff or not be there on staff. So, you know, I, I think generally Kirk wants to have all those an- those questions answered before he starts talking about it. But, yeah, I would I would imagine that at some point, maybe as late as the second signing day, we'll probably have some sort mm-hmm. of information available. I uh, Doc, when we saw Kirk crying up there on the podium, it crossed my mind again. Could this be it? Could could this be his final game? And it's always looming around the corner, but you get to see him on, obviously, a, a weekly basis. You get to talk with him and the like. How much is left in the tank? I mean, he's, yeah, he's getting up there in age, but he certainly doesn't feel like an old guy in a lot of aspects, certainly physically at this point in time. What do you see with him? And what do you see the future, Kirk Ferentz? Crystal ball it here. How much longer does the old man got? Hmm. I'd say at least 10 more years. <laughs> gonna be, I, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, my uh, former you know, partner, you know, Mark Morehouse would say one year and two years, and that was eight or nine years ago. So, I mean, I, I think he's just going to go until he feels like he doesn't want to, and he's kind of got that purview right now. And, you know, he's only three shot, wins shy of 200 uh, in his career. He's um, among the, the winningest coaches in, in Big Ten history, top three. So, you know, he, he's kind of earned the right to call a shot. Yep. One thing I'm known about him, and I did cover Dick Vermeil for five years, and both of them are a lot alike. Yep, emotionally. They, yeah. they, you get through a course of a long season with a lot of 80-plus-hour weeks, and they get worn down emotionally, mentally. It's kind of the equivalent of if you go with about three nights, uh, three hours of sleep for about a week straight, and then a, a commercial pops on, and you start bawling your head off because of it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and, and, but when it comes to talking about people and people who you care about and they care about you, that's what gets them every time, and that's what gets a lot of people. So I, I don't think that this is a swan song for him at all. I think he's probably as committed as anyone to wanting to, to push forward. So I would say three years, 
and we'll see, but it, it could be even longer than that. You pushed his emotional button at the press conference <laughs> prior to the game, and he, he call, not called you out for it, but certainly recognized <laughs> what you were doing. And uh, Boy, he does love his players, doesn't he? I mean, you can be critical of this guy, and certainly I have over the course of his tenure here, but man, oh man, the person himself, unless he's got me totally fooled, um, there's a heart beating inside of him. He's an emotional guy who just loves it and wears it on his sleeve. No, no doubt about it. I mean, his emotions are, you know, kind of guide him. And I think, you know, th- there are, as you said, and there, and we have said that there are a lot of things you could criticize him for, but the way he responds and loves his players, he treats his players, the way he's changed to adapt to his players, which hasn't been easy for him. I, I think you can't, you, you could, uh, you really got to respect that. And, and, and largely, I think the other thing with, with Kirk Ferentz and with Iowa is, that whenever they tend to face adversity, they come out of it stronger. And that's, you know, whether it's this year, they were three and four, got bombed at Ohio State, and it looked like they were going to go three and nine. Mm-hmm. And to win five out of the last six games, mm-hmm. no matter what the competition level is, I mean, it shows that there's a lot there. And, and as players respond to that, they didn't quit on him. And I think that tells you a lot about him as a man, him as a coach. And, and this program is still on pretty strong footing, even if it's not the season everybody wanted. Will you do some uh, switch over to college basketball at all? You and Carver Thursday night. Will you got some of that on the agenda? I might go over there on Thursday, but uh, you know I'm not going to really do a lot of basketball right now. I'm pretty locked in on the football side yep. of things, whether it's Iowa or, or some of the other uh, you know schools around the country. And so well, maybe I'll do a couple stories, but and I'll obviously pay attention. But I'm not I'm not really going to do a lot of basketball this this. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. Doc, thank you. Happy New Year from uh, us. Uh, We certainly appreciate what you do for us. Thank you, Doc. Uh, We'll talk to you next week. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Yeah, you do the same. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic as we catch up with uh, with Doc. All right, take our final time out of the hour. Another keyword coming up in hour number two. Yes, the keyword are back for at least the next couple of weeks. It's Miller and Condon. We're on Des Moines Sports Station 106.3. Now back to Miller and Condon on 106.3 KXNO. Here's Ken and Trent. All right, few minutes for uh, noon hour here on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Since Doc was you know, heavy into the football, and by the sounds of things, that's where he'll stay this winter, maybe periodic trips over to Carver and a couple of stories on that. Um, we didn't bring up the basketball with him, so let's you and I spend a couple of minutes on uh, on the 0-3 Hawkeyes in Big Ten play. Um, schedule laid out for them. What was it? The 7th, the 9th, or the 9th, the 11th, and the 14th? I don't know what it was. They were the bottom in the bottom tier of teams early in the schedule as far as they were preseason ranked. Uh, they're they're zero and three. Give them credit for coming back. I guess mm-hmm. Chris Murray was good in the game down the stretch. Perkins with the turnover, uh, he'd been okay up until that point. Certainly offensively. Uh, your thoughts? It's over. I mean, if you think this is an NCAA tournament team, this team has to win at minimum twelve games. Means they got to go twelve and five the rest of the way. Yeah. This team's not going twelve and five. Certainly doesn't look like it, does no, it? No, and that's again at minimum. It is a stretch coming up here. Can you get right? We get a home game against Indiana. Indiana hasn't played great themselves. Rutgers just had a huge win last night. Ooh, as they also beat Purdue on the road. Right, as they Mackie. went in there and and won that one. But it's still a game that's probably a toss up type of game. And then you're home for Michigan and Michigan State. Look, if this team goes three and one or even four and zero, oh, 
the conversation changes. But there's nothing that we've seen out of this team for the last couple of weeks that leads you to believe that that's going to be the case. Yeah, they came back. They hit shots. Mm-hmm. I think they were, what, 6-7 of seven from 3 in the second half? This team's not going to do that often. No. It's just not going to happen. It's not realistic that they're going to shoot anybody at that kind of level. And that's how they got back into the game. The defense was atrocious in the first half. They didn't look yep. like they had a clue. Yep. It better was, in the second half. It, better in the second yep. half, but it was... It was the same kind of troops, troops with this team, and I don't see a way that they can dig out of it. I don't see a way that there's a realistic path to, to even make them competitive mm-hmm. at the highest level of the Big Ten this year. It looks like a lost season, just like that, mm-hmm. and you're all of a sudden going to have to replace your only two tough guys on this team, and Philip yep. Robracha and Connor McCaffrey. Yep. You're going to have to replace more likely gone. Chris Murray. I mean, mm-hmm. this is going to have to be an adjustment on the fly. Mm-hmm. In today's era, Fran has dabbled in the transfer portal, it's not going to be able to be a dabbling here. No. This is going to have to He's be... going to be all in. Yes, this is going to be diving uh-huh. into the pool head first. The Swarm Collective is going to be a lot more mm-hmm. involved than it's been able to be in the past financially, mm-hmm. and that's important because they need dudes. You cannot hope for a recruiting class, you know, ranked 30th in the country, that's going to come in as freshmen all of a sudden turn this thing around. There is a lot of work to do, and suddenly this program goes from mm. looking like they're on the precipice of making their 10th tournament in the last 12 years to... Miss it this year and the future gets scary quickly. Now, we've done this before with France teams, right? It looked like we're starting to throw a little dirt on him. Yeah. And he's been able to pull it out. Good. Prove us wrong. Please prove us wrong. I can't see it, Trent. No, I can't either. Tony Perkins, he was better again. Yeah, except the turnover at the end, right? It happens. Yeah, double team came from behind and just didn't see it. Took the ball from him. Trying to get the ball to Chris Murray, as Mm -hmm. he should be. He Mm -hmm. made the right play. To get it to the hot hand, yeah. But the defender came over and made a play. And they fall in that fashion. I Well, everybody on the floor knew where the ball was going to end up. <laughs> it was the right play, and Penn State just made another uh-huh. play. It's incredibly frustrating at times watching this team, but it's kind of a standard free team, right? Good offensively, mm-hmm. terrible defensively. Mm-hmm. If they don't shoot it well, they don't have a chance. Peyton Sanford, eight minutes. He is now 0 of 19 in Big Ten play. I thought he had a bucket. Oh, made two free throws. That's where he met. That's where the points came from. Two free throws. Wow. He is zero of nineteen from the floor. Even that putback that he had, yep. like on a rebound, yep, yep, offensive yep, yep, rebound. Yep, I know what you're talking about. He just flipped it up there. Like there is no confidence. Mm-hmm. His shot that was so pretty, it doesn't look good. You can tell there is something mentally going on. March Peyton Sanford was mm-hmm. something to behold. The confidence that he was uh-huh. playing with, that is completely gone. And we've seen in this past. Bring up the Josh Oglesby example. Good shooter in high school. Had two of his years were pretty good shooting the ball, but two of them were just absolutely atrocious, and it got in his head. Mm -hmm. And you wonder if there is anything that can be done. I'm sure he's talking to a sports psychologist. University of Iowa Athletic Department has one on staff. I'm sure that's happening. He's not alone, though. I mean, Patrick McCaffrey struggling to shoot Mm -hmm. the basketball. Euless had an awful shooting Mm day uh, on on Sunday night. Um, (sighs) If he continues this path, how quickly do you? Hand the keys off to Desante Bowen, and say we're gonna just well, we're go gonna sink anyway. Yeah, yeah. just you're and right. Here's right. 25 minutes a night. Mm-hmm. We're gonna go with the freshman point guard because again, it's about the future. Yep, it, it's too early it's to too hit that. Early now, right. right, right. But if we get in that stretch that we just talked about, the next four games, and they go one and three, including three of those games at home, mm. at that point, you're one and six in the Big Ten. All right, son, here you go. Yeah. The ball is yours. Mm-hmm. The team is yours. Let's see if he can figure it out. 
and, and falling behind as they did early in the basketball game, early in the first half. Saw it in Nebraska over in Lincoln as well. Mm-hmm. Not good. Hour two coming up. We're going to recap the bowl uh, weekend uh, with Bama Bob. Uh, get him in here. Talk about the bowl games. We'll do that. Nick Olson is going to join us. He covers Iowa State for 24-7 Sports. J.J. Cole, I guess, lit it up where he was this past weekend. We'll get uh, uh, Nick Olson to talk Iowa State football and a whole lot of basketball at 12.30. Trent's Play of the Day Circus Sports sponsors it. It's Miller and Condon, an hour to go on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO.